Yeah, welcome in, MMA fans, here on a Thursday edition of Unlocking the Cage. I'm Ryan McKinnell in for Jimmy Smith. And on this edition of Unlocking the Cage, we got interviews of plenty. The chosen one, Tyron Woodley, stops by. Head coach of Extreme Couture, Eric Nixick, joins the show. And MMA fighting deputy editor Shaheen Al Shadi stops by to break down the world in mixed martial arts. This is Unlocking the Cage. Right now here on a Thursday, one of the best coaches in the game and had one hell of a 2021. It pales in comparison to what 2022 could be bringing, though. He is the head coach at Extreme Couture, which means he is the head coach of Francis Ngannou, the one and only Eric Nixick joining us on a Thursday. What's up, B? What's up, Brian? How you doing, brother? I'm I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm uh, I'm, I'm I got to be honest. I'm kind of like. I'm kind of winding down the year. I'm, I'm, I'm taking it very easy for these last couple weeks. The holidays are in full effect. I'm leaving in like, I don't know, five hours to go up to the Bay Area for Metallica's 40th anniversary shows. So nice. I'm like, Eric, I'm, 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 I'm kind of I'm checked out, my guy. I'm kind of checked out, just a little bit. I love your honesty about it, though. It's like, dude, I'm ready to rock. <laughs> I'm getting out of yeah, here. Yeah, no, I'm, 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 I'm mildly checked out. No, I'm doing my job. We're going to have a good goddamn show. Like, I'm going to deliver yeah. the goods. We just found out we got Tyron Woodley coming up in a half an hour. I'm going to talk to Tyron. We're going to talk about this Jake Paul fight. I got my eye on the prize, but I also, uh, I'm, 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 I'm very much enjoying and looking forward to the exhale that I'm going to get around 2 p.m. Pacific. And uh, look next to these. Look forward to these next few days. Then, Eric, it's Christmas. It's uh, hopefully some uh, snow and some cool weather up in the mountains. I don't know, man. But, you know, it's just it's that time of year. But you, sir, you're not really afforded that luxury. You don't really <laughs> operate in that sort of uh, normal schedule. It is year round for you. Obviously, Francis uh, getting his uh, fight with Cyril coming up. Uh, in January we'll talk about that fight but interestingly enough this Saturday uh, a man that Francis knows obviously very well Derek Lewis taking on Dacus in the heavyweight main event listen man I know you got you on some level you've got to have your eyes on that fight oh yeah big time so you know if I do any of the breakdowns or, or watch these guys you know I, I try to see what they're doing and you know if there's something that sure. even for us we can improve on or something that I might see to help my coaching style as well but uh yeah, it's a big fight for the heavyweight division. And I think really good matchmaking, to be honest with you. It's kind of one of those crossroads yeah. fights. I got I, it, it, it is one of those crossroads fights, but it's one of those crossroads fights that should not theoretically be happening. Chris Dawkins is 3-0 and in the UFC. Derek Lewis is a G for even taking this fight. Like he had, and, and I think Dawkins has said uh, pretty much the same, mirrored that sentiment leading into this fight on Saturday. Lewis did not have to take this fight with his ranking, with his stature, with the with the with the litany of big fights that that man has already procured in the UFC in the last decade. Um, I give him a lot of credit for taking on a really dangerous prospect in Kyle Dawkins or Chris Dawkins, excuse me. Yeah. And, you know, it is, it is one of those situations where you look at and it's like, you know, there, there might be something that Derek and his team sees in this fight that they like to get him back on the winning side of things. Um, you know, the biggest thing that stands out to me in this Ryan is, is, is the weight differential. You know, Dawkins is usually coming in around 230, 235 pounds. Whereas, you know, we all know Derek Lewis is cutting weight to get to 265. So come fight night, there might be a 40, 45 pound weight difference there. And what do you think that is, is when you look at that fight in terms of styles make fights that that weight advantage? Um, do you think the important the more important part is the gaining, presumably, 
of power that Lewis has by that advantage, or do you think it's the speed of Chris Dawkins that, that that gets more? I guess the more the, the more advantageous lean, if you will, when we're talking about that uh, that weight difference. Well, I think if you look back at the last fight with with Gon and Lewis, we obviously saw Gon utilize his movement and his footwork, and that kind of stymied Lewis and took away a lot of his power. So Dawkins doesn't have the same sort of footwork as what Gon has. Gon has more of a vertical up and down, whereas Dawkins is more linear and side to side. But um, again, movement's movement, and it can be frustrating at times when you make guys miss big or they feel like they can't reach you. So I think you can really go either way. Now, in this fight, the standout to me is it being at the apex. So a guy who loves movement, and now you're talking about a smaller cage, you know, your cage cutoffs and your octagon control is a little bit easier when you're a guy like Derek Lewis. You can reach a guy a little bit easier that way. So, you know, I I think it's going to be important that both guys are, one, cutting off the cage and the other one using his footwork not to get trapped on the cage. I like that. I like that. I would uh, expect nothing less from one of the best minds in the game. Eric Nixick, head coach of Extreme Couture, joining us on a Thursday. Now, speaking of one of the best minds in the game, uh, you were up for fighter uh, coach of the year at the World MMA Awards. I know it didn't go your way, but that night is always uh, fun. I-, I love it because it feels like summer camp. I know it's only one night, right? Um, <laughs> but it feels like like summer camp for the MMA world. I mean, it was like the 13th year. Uh, I didn't go this year, but I mean, I went to the first one. I-, I don't know how many I've been to throughout the years, obviously living in Vegas and well, being in the uh, MMA media and community. I-, I just love the vibe and the celebration of the weekend. Uh, I'm assuming you had fun. Yeah, I had a really good time. You know, uh, I went with uh, myself and Laura Senko and my wife and my Noxie came and and my mom and my sister. So it was a nice time to actually like, you know, for me being nominated is one thing, but uh, being able to show my wife and kids where my time goes and it's being rewarded and, and recognized is important for me because, you know, they're the ones that, that miss out on my absence the most. So it's nice to know that they see where yeah. my hard work goes. Yeah, and see that you actually have people that acknowledge your hard work and the things that you've done, and people come up to you, hey, holy shit, you're Eric Nixick, man, I love what you do, thanks for, you know what I mean, I, it is, uh, I can imagine, that's a, a really cool reward, and yeah, to your point, getting to share it with the family during the holiday season, man, that's special, I'm happy for you, man, for real. Thank you, thank you, brother. So, uh, you were talking about the Apex and that that kind of got me to thinking. Another one of your fighters that just fought in the Apex, obviously uh, a friend of mine, a, a friend of the, obviously our entire uh, channel, not just a friend, but one of the most important voices that we have on Fight Nation, uh, Misha Tate. I, I'm just curious, man, like um, obviously fight one of the return roaring success fight two of the return uh, against O'Donnell. Like, listen, like uh, or Caitlin Vieira, like, listen, I I know it didn't go exactly how she wanted because a win is a win and you always want the win and you want to get closer to the title and all of that right but the toughness showed the heart showed the grit showed the determination with the wrinkles still showed in terms of the advancement of Tate 2.0 which she's been pretty open about and where her mindset was I loved her mindset after the fight I'm just curious what do you think about that performance what do you think about the future of Misha Tate she's thrown out flyweight as a possibility I'm just curious to get your thoughts on the whole sort of gamut of uh, things concerning Tate 2.0 yeah you know I I think uh I was I was more involved, obviously, in the Renault fight. I cornered her for that fight. Uh, yeah. I was not involved in the second fight at all. So I don't know a lot of the the meat and potatoes of what, what went on in that fight. Um, but, you know, to be completely transparent, man, I, I think they, 
they had an opportunity to win that fight, you know, and, and going into round five. And I, I think maybe some some small adjustments or maybe some more encouragement could have gotten her gotten her that win. Yeah. Um, I, I, I felt like I felt like Vieira was respecting her so much, you know, in that fight that they that that Misha kind of missed on an opportunity to, to take advantage of the respect factor on the other side of that. Um, but, you know, when you talk about Misha and her resiliency and what makes her so good mm-hmm. is she puts she puts all this on her own and, and she works out the way she does. She trains the way she does. She diets and she does everything, I think, so calculated and, and where to, to me where she can if she decides to go to flyweight, if she decides to stay in the band weight division, whatever she does, she's going to be successful at it. And that's just been her nature. You know, so, um, you know, I, I actually hearing <laughs> yeah. her entertained going to flyweights is, is, is a, is a pretty good, maybe pretty good for her. Um, she didn't, she doesn't cut any weight at, at 135 now. She does such a great job. That's the thing. It's like, if it's, if it's a cure-all or if it's this reactionary move by a fighter that just is, you know, one in f- four or five in their last whatever fights and they do it because they've got no other options and they kill themselves to do it, I feel like it's an extreme that's not needed, right? But when it's just, like you said, a kind of just product of circumstance. Like, Tate's got mm. a new diet. She's Tate 2.0. It, her body is adjusted to the point to where she's really, I mean, arguably not a 135-er anymore. So I, when, you're a, when you're a ground-based wrestler with a dominant sort of wrestling pedigree uh you know taking that size and going to a more natural weight I, if it's going to benefit anyone it's going to benefit a fighter like Misha Tate you'd agree with that right oh 100 and I think with her having coach Cal to her disposal you know he's we saw what yeah. he did with TJ Dillashaw and getting him down to flyweight and he did it pretty healthy so you know I I think with with him kind of uh, understanding her weight and her body better than anybody you know, I think she can go down there. And the main thing is, can she p- perform down there? Is it is it a health risk for her? You know, and, and obviously with females cutting weight, it's a little bit different than men. But um, if she can do it safely and, and successfully, I think she can do a great job in that division. Yeah, uh, well, that is uh, why we watch. We will wait and see what 2022 has in store for Cupcake. We're joined by head coach of Extreme Couture, Eric Nixick, here on a Thursday at Unlocking the Cage. Eric, obviously, the uh, the story in your world, I mean, I know you got the MMA Awards. I know Extreme Couture is its own monster. You got the holidays coming up. There's a million things we could say you got going on in your world, but the most prescient thing that is happening, well, it's Francis Ngannou and Cyril God going down UFC 270. This is uh, This is a weird fight man you know how i feel i want the john jones fight uh i want the john jones fight because john by my estimation is the greatest fighter to ever live and francis is the scariest i want the greatest versus the scariest and i want it now but this is a stopover what is the worry on your end concern probably worry is not the right word i should use because it's francis Ngannou. what is the concern on your end on or is there any that maybe francis because i am I'm looking past this Gon fight, and I think Gon can potentially win. That's not what I'm saying. I just want the John Jones fight so damn much that I'm looking past Gon in some way because my excitement is palpable. Do you think there's any uh, concern on on your end that Francis might be looking past Gon and ahead to Jones? None whatsoever. I think uh, Francis made it pretty clear that you know this whole back and forth with with John and even his legal issues and some of those other things going on has yeah. has really kind of derailed that fight or deflated the the motivation that we had for it you know we, mm. we were told we all were told everyone was told that the winner out of Stipe and Francis was going to get John Jones and then here we are still waiting for that fight so you have to you have to focus your your attention over to Surreal Gone. he deserves that attention you know and and he's a serious threat 
And I think that if we're looking past him, anyone in our camp, we're doing ourselves a disservice, not only for our team, but uh, again, to Cyril gone. So um, once we kind of realize that, Hey, this, this uh, John Jones fight probably isn't going to come to fruition. Our focus immediately went to Cyril gone and, and, or, and, or Derek Lewis at the time. And uh, now it's nice just to be able to focus on one person and, and direct your attention to that fighter. Well, I, I could see that because, Eric, the chaos, I mean, this is the chaos of that heavyweight uh, back and forth. And John, I mean, the chaos of John has been going on for much more than a couple of years. That's kind of his uh, MO and sort of his uh, narrative that's been happening every single year. Um, but, yeah, it has been a chaotic 2021 for you and Francis. I mean, that's that's uh that's i could i could easily see how having a fight set up and having something to focus on was a much welcome sort of a target to put on your board uh for lack of better phrasing yeah 100 percent. and you know for us we always had stipe for a long time that was you know obviously we had jarzinho in between there but you know the focus was always kind of on stipe behind the scenes for a long time why do you think the UFC is doing this to Stipe like I let's because let's be honest like they are doing something to him he wasn't offered the you know what I'm saying like he's been essentially cast out he is arguably the most dominant heavyweight champion in the history of the company I am he is a firefighter he is an all-american he's seemingly a really nice family guy I I I am I am so very much struggling Eric Nixick to understand why Stipe Biocic has been essentially forgotten about by the UFC absolutely beyond me too, Ryan. And and I think that it's just one of those things that we just, we don't really understand the machine that the UFC is and we don't know what no, some don't. of these reasons <laughs> might be, but uh, to be to, to complete, completely fair, you know, when Francis beat Stipe, that should have been an immediate rematch in my opinion, you know, that this, yes. this guy, I mean, it, it, think about the time since we fought him was last March, right? The way that we won that fight, Stipe should have had some time off. He got knocked out. Give him as much time as he needs. So the rematch could have easily happened last month or, or you know, or coming up here. So um, I don't understand why they're doing that to him. And I, I, and, I, and I do feel bad for him because I know Stipe personally, and I think he's one of the greatest to ever do it. And uh, I hope to see him back in there soon because the guy's, a, guy's not only talented, I think he's gotten a lot better over those DC fights as well. Yeah, I completely agree, and uh, that's definitely something we can watch for 2022. Um, I, I, I mean, what, what, what do you think? I'll, I'll leave you on this. Do you think? I mean, what, what sort of motivational? How, how hype would you think Francis would get if 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 Stipe was a fight for him in 2022? Because I think the fans would be excited for it. You know, I think when you're the champ, you have to be hyped for anybody that comes your way because they're deserving of it. <laughs> You know, I mean, you really have to. You have to take everyone seriously. We saw what happened with Amanda Nunez and Juliana Pena. If you're not taking people seriously at this division, especially when you're the champion, at any night, man, four-ounce gloves, you know, you have a wrong night. You just you make one false step, and, and, and you lose your belt. So you have to take everything that uh, within consideration that it's a threat to your throne. And I, I like to see, like, guys like Kamara Usman. It, never, it didn't matter who was in front of him. He had the same mindset for everyone that came forth. GSP, you know, he was even to yep. me like he was fighting Tiago Alves. Okay, I'm going to beat him in the striking department. Josh Koscheck, you're you're a better wrestler than me. Watch this. I'm going to out-wrestle you. You know, Nick <laughs> Diaz, I'm going to take you to the ground. So he even made it a more of a personal effect to him when he fought guys in, the, in that division. So I think when you're the champ, man, you, you just cannot, cannot get your foot off that gas pedal. and You have to continue to evolve and become better. 
Busted Open is your daily home for all things pro wrestling. Join Dave LaGreca, WWE Hall of Famers, Bully Ray and Mark Henry, and hardcore wrestling legend Tommy Dreamer. Dave LaGreca here. From WWE to AEW, Impact, New Japan, Ring of Honor, and more, we talk it all. Whether you grew up watching Ric Flair or Stone Cold Steve Austin, Busted Open is your place for pro wrestling. Busted Open, Mondays through Saturdays at 9 a.m. East on Fight Nation, Sirius XM Channel 156. This Saturday main event, Showtime pay-per-view. We are 48 hours away. The future is now. The future is upon us. 48 hours. The chosen one, Tyron Woodley, gets his rematch against Jake Paul. And Tyron is joining us now here on a Thursday edition of Unlocking the Cage. What's up, Tyron? How you doing, man? What's up, man? Before I go out there and kick some ASS, I need to go ahead and get the NFT. You can whitelist it right now. Go ahead and get it quick because they're going to go fast. Yeah, I was just telling the listeners about it. Uh, I was I was kind of backing up, and I was kind of, uh, you know, framing it in the in the context of yo, you know, Francis Ngannou just did this after his uh, title win, generated six figures. Uh, obviously, this fight with Jake is a massive fight. This rematch on Saturday night in the main event, uh, I would imagine, uh, Tyron. The idea is, hey, we're going to get some eyes on this NFT. This is obviously a big main event. It's going to generate some coin. And, and and what I really like about this, Tyron, yes, it's an NFT. Yes, it's going to give some lucky fan out there a chance to obviously. Have have a one-of-one, one, something a fan of Tyron Woodley is going to cherish. But what I like is also uh, a portion of these proceeds, Tyron, best I can understand, is also going to go to your foundation, your charitable foundation, the Good Fight Foundation. I really like that, yeah. Tyron. Yeah, for sure. You know, you think about a great opportunity. Everybody will be a part of them. You can't buy a commercial. Most people, day-to-day watchers and viewers, they can't afford to buy a commercial even if it was available. But this gets them in the moment. This captures the moment for them and makes them a part of it. Um, I feel like me and Jake Paul, as far as combat sports, kind of took over the whole 2021 with the talks of the initial fight in this rematch here. So getting a one-of-one is something that is kind of memorabilia, I think, down the road when you watch the movie back and you see this is kind of like a Rocky film. And if you can get involved with it and have your piece of the puzzle, I think it's a great opportunity. Well, it it unquestionably is, and it's it's art, right? It's a piece of history. Like, even if, like, and I I know the person who's going to be buying this, right, is going to be a Tyron Woodley fan, the person that's going to go out there and and take part in this. But also, I mean, just as a sports fan, Tyron, this marks, you talked about it, 2021 was a wild year for combat sports. You and Jake, obviously, yes, dominated a lot of the headlines. What I like about this NFT, this also can kind of mark this period and place and time in history for the sports of mixed martial martial arts and boxing because this battle between you and Jake, this rematch, it is very much about mixed martial arts and boxing in a place and time and kind of the year of 2021. Wouldn't you agree? You know, I think it's great. I think it's a great time that we live in right now. You know, you start thinking that, you know, people started with like the Grand Theft Auto and they started with, you know, the Sims, but now I can kick his ass in the <laughs> universe and I can kick his ass in the universe. <laughs> I, whatever I want to do. And I think, uh, to get people some, some other ways to go and some other ways to think about, you know, investing money in NFT and um, all different cryptos and all these different, you know, one hinting is something that's so unique that everybody needs to get involved, especially while the iron's hot. I like it. I like it. You partnered with Cosmic Wire and BYT. Those NFTs are dropping tomorrow, December 17th, 12 Pacific, 3 Eastern. 
in advance of that rematch with Jake Paul. Now, the rematch with Jake Paul, Tyron, obviously that is the, uh, well, I mean, is the eyes of the fight world as we head into a Showtime pay-per-view on Saturday uh-huh. in the state of Florida. I know you got the incomparable Dinero Dean Thomas in your corner. Uh, congrats on that. Listen, we've talked about it uh, now for a few weeks, Tyron. You've been very vocal about that first fight, not wanting to get knocked out by a YouTuber. I applaud your honesty and your approach to that first fight because I think it, I mean, unquestionably can only help you as you head into Saturday. But Tyron, I, I do have to ask, and, and I know you've been getting asked this a lot, but but it, it is a big fight for you. This is uh, a fight that obviously is going to have a lot of money. You win, presumably a third fight is on the horizon. There's tattoo talk, but at the end of the day, it's about bags. It's about legacy. It's about wins and losses. Uh, how do you right the wrongs of that first fight, uh, Tyron? How do you how do you get it done uh, on Saturday? I just really focus on the small things. You know? It was a few things I could have done a little different. I could have been a little sharper. Uh, my punches could have been a little tighter. You know, I didn't go out there trying not to get hit with a shot. I was trying not to get out, knocked out. But um, one thing that my coach, um, Joe Tucker, kind of just told me, he told me basically – he wants his fighters, all of his fighters, whether it's me, Clarissa Shields, Adrian Broner, um, Javante Davis, Floyd Mayweather, he wants them to get hit as least amount as possible. That don't mean playing the safe. That means after you throw something, expect something coming back. Expect something coming in when you're coming in. So you either lead with defense, or throw your combination to end with it, or you, limit, you, you start with punches, you defend, and you punch after it. So that's something that really, really stuck in my mind. And that's something that's going to make me a better boxer, better mixed martial artist, and any form of combat sports that I do. Um, so fighting him the first time around, obviously you got to be cautious. I wasn't scared. I got hit with it a couple of times. It's not like I blocked the whole time and I didn't get hit with any points. Right. He hit me. He hit me hard and flush right. several times. But the difference between me and the difference between Jake, Jake backed up. and He ran away when I hit him. You know what I mean? He tried to play him, but we all, he was hurt. And when he hit me, yeah, I might have took a shot. But I walked him down. I got back in the space, and I and I gave him the pair of the back. Here with Tyron Woodley ahead of his main event fight. Showtime pay-per-view this Saturday against Jake Paul. The rematch. Tyron, I, I, I am curious. Obviously, you know, that the, the MMA versus boxing sort of storyline. A lot of MMA fans were disappointed with the way the first fight went. Uh, but, the, you know, it, it generated a lot of interest. Obviously, people uh, had their feelings on it. I, I just I, I, I do want to get, though, your thoughts uh, after the fight, right? Uh, MMA fans were disappointed. I, I want to kind of get your perspective and it's 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 kind of I guess it's kind of framed this way right because there was a lot of excitement I would imagine when you got this rematch because again chance to redeem yourself the rematch another bag to come pay-per-view showtime that's all great but it was kind of juxtaposed to the disappointment of that first fight so I am kind of curious how disappointing was that first loss but more importantly how excited were you then to get that chance on short notice to fill in and have this rematch Tyron because this feels like a big deal it's definitely a big deal and you know um, I just, I just thankful that I was in position, or thankful that I trusted God that this was um, destiny. Because some people are like, oh, I don't know, and oh, I don't want to lose, and oh, I didn't have a full camp. Like if somebody coming me in the face and me, I'm beat that. I'm not going to wait each direction I'm going to fight. I mean, I the mentality what we forget about kind of maybe special in the beginning. I was beat up, I was really rugged. You know what I mean? People saw promise in me, and, you know, we're talking about Dean. Dean's sitting here right now. 
when I first walked, I walked up to be in a fight. He didn't know me from Boo Boo to Food down the street. And I said, hey, man, can you corner me? He said, yeah. Now, now looking back, imagine how random that is for some kid that you don't even know actually <laughs> just jumping in the corner that night. But he did it. But when he, what he saw there is that this kid's kind of rough. He's kind of rough around the edges, but there may be something there. And I think that's kind of what I away from. Um, and finding the balance of utilizing the newfound technique, the strategy, the IQ, but also get back to the gritty kid from Ferguson that would punch anybody. Um, that that's the that's the difference maker. And you know, I'm 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 pushing 40 years old, and sometimes it takes a little time for people to figure it out. And I'm just blessed that I'm still in great shape, finishing great speed, and still you know all my wits to go out there and do it. I like it. I like it. Ferguson's finest, Tyron Woodley, joining us on a Thursday. All right, Tyron, I'm going to get you out of here on this because I know you got a lot to do. You got your uh, uh, press conference going down, or it happened earlier today. You had your workouts yesterday. You got your weigh-ins tomorrow. It is fight week, so we do very much appreciate you joining us here for a few minutes on a Thursday. But, Tyron, listen, I know Jake is on Saturday. Presumably you go out there, you get the dub. A third fight would be on the horizon, which means more bags. It also means more experience. Exposure. It is on Showtime. Listen, I still want to see you in a cage. I still want to see you in a ring. You got the wrestling pedigree. You are the former welterweight champion of the UFC. There is still tread on those tires. Tyron, uh, what do you think? Do we see you back in MMA before you call it quits? Could a Bellator run be in your future? I, I like the Showtime and Showtime synergy. Obviously, you've got the history with Scott Coker. What the hell does 2022 and 2023 have in store, my guy? Damn, you just threw a whole goddamn tornado at me. So I mean, one, maybe one, maybe some, maybe all. I don't know. Um, but I'm not. I'm not done with mixed martial arts. Um, boxing is kind of fun right now. I said it. I said it a, a ways back. I said, you know, I, I want to do two, three boxing fights before I go back to MMA. But I definitely have a closed door for MMA. And I think going out here, being victorious, making a big team, um, getting people wanting want to watch me fight, and excited about me going out there and fighting, I think it's going to open up other doors for me as well. So. Focusing on this Saturday night, I think, is the most important thing. Let's not look too far ahead. Let's not try getting too excited. Let's go out here and do our job. And then when I do that, I feel like everything else is going to fall into place. Good stuff, man. Thank you so much, Tyron, for joining us on a Thursday again. I know you're busy. I know you got the fight to uh, look forward to, looking ahead to. We want to wish you the best of luck, man. Go out there and get one for MMA, all right? I right, appreciate you, my man. This is Lindsay Rhodes, and I'm so excited for my podcast, The NFL Roadshow, to be joining the SiriusXM sports family. We'll be talking about the most compelling topics and to some of the most interesting people in and around the NFL, taking a look at things through my somewhat nerdy football lens. I like to push past the low-hanging fruit to get to the real stories that are going to make you feel like a smarter football fan. So please join me every Wednesday for The NFL Roadshow, available on the SXM app and wherever you get your podcasts. He's the deputy editor of MMAfighting.com, one of my favorite wordsmiths in the game, Shaheen Al-Shadi, joining us on a Thursday. What's up, bro? What's going on, man? Bringing me in with the old tunes right here, the classics. I love it. Uh, yeah, well, we're, uh, we, we like the hip-hop here uh, uh, on, on Unlocking the Cage on Fight Nation. I know you like hip-hop because, uh, Sean, I remember not too – I mean, well, it's, God, it's been years now, but uh, – I remember running into you at a uh, Phoenix show a very long time ago at a Run the Jewels show. And 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 as right. we end the year on 2021, Shaheen, we head into 2020-22. What does that mean? I'll be back in Phoenix, Rage Against the Machine, Run the Jewels. Let's go, baby. 
Oh man, when is that? Oh, I think like March, March or April. But I'll be around your oh, way. Oh man, you might have to see me there. That sounds pretty nice. That sounds yeah, like a good time. Yeah, just a. Just keep an eye on the uh, secondary market. I'm sure people's plans will fall through. We'll get you in there. We'll be partying in no time, my guy. Well, speaking of partying, uh, we got fights this weekend. Uh, I, I don't know how we feel. Uh, it's a party. It's a fight party. We got a little bit of a circus, a little bit of a freak show with Paul and Woodley, the rematch. <laughs> and then we got a different kind of freak show as the heavyweights get in with Derek Lewis and uh, Chris Dawkins. A lot to look forward to as we look forward to this weekend. But but before we get to this weekend, Shaheen, I want to get your thoughts on the news of the day. And it is uh, something you're excited about. It's something I'm excited about. We don't know if it's going to happen, but the two fighters have verbally agreed to it potentially. Eventually, coming in January, Dustin Poirier and Nate Diaz to a screen near you. Um, how much of a favorite do you think Dustin Poirier would be in this fight, and do you want it? He would be a huge favorite, justifiably so, right? Like, we were just talking about this guy as the <laughs> yeah, best lightweight yeah. in the world two weeks ago until until last weekend. Uh, but I, the likelihood of it happening, that's a little bit harder of a, of a push for me. There's two factors, right? One, I don't – I just – I know people keep talking about it, but obviously Nate Diaz is on the last fight of his deal. This contract keeps getting extended out. There's no way the UFC is trying to do Nate any favors on his way out. And maybe, maybe that just means, hey, we're not going to give you a big fight. Maybe that means, hey, we're not going to let you go without some sort of contract stipulation with whatever that fight entails. Regardless, I just don't see a way the UFC tries to do this guy any, any favors, help him out on his way out. And the Dustin fight does feel like a big fight, especially to come together on some sort of this sort of quick turnaround. But also, too, and this is an interesting point that my good buddy Ariel Hawani mentioned to me earlier. I just don't know if the UFC is trying to help out Francis Ngannou either by putting Nate Diaz on that UFC 270 card. Oh, shit. That's a good point. Because right? that you, would. You I mean, had... that bolsters. I mean, Moreno's on that card. That bolsters that card. You, you, you kicked the pay-per-view off with Dustin Poirier and Nate Diaz leading into two titles. You're right. You're right. That In terms of bottom dollar, you're, you're, you're so helping many Francis Ngannou. Adds hundreds yep. of thousands of pay-per-views wow. right there and then. And I don't know Dude, that that's okay. what they're trying to do for him right now. That's it's it's a weird oh game, God. man. Yeah, are they this is gonna be this is a loaded question. Are they that petty? Are, I mean like You know the like, answer to that. Are they, are, are they, <laughs> of course they're Do that they hate Francis you know Ngannou that. that much? I know they're that petty. I know. But do I mean, do they really want to poke the bear that much? Because they've been they've been messing with Francis now for over a over a year. Man, how many times you've been in this game a long time? So have I. How many times have you yeah. seen the UFC not only willing but just very giddy and ready to cut off their nose despite their face? It's 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 a drop in the bucket for them. They don't care. Like they are absolutely that petty. The, 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 they just the, the 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 interaction that Dana had over the weekend, and you were in town for it. Uh, the, when he had to go to Hunter Campbell about Adesanya and Whitaker, he's like, uh, "Did he sign that deal? Is the deal signed? Did they sign on the dotted line?" He's like, "Yeah, but Adesanya said he didn't know, if, or whatever it was, said he didn't know if he wanted." He's like, "Well, fine, we'll make another fight." And someone was like, "It seems like you don't care." He's like, "No, I really don't give a shit." And it was just like I, I, I'm paraphrasing that whole conversation, so I hope that made sense to the listeners. But it was like Dana White. Said he didn't give a shit about a potential middleweight showdown and, and it, of course you cared but it was trying to act like he didn't care and all I could think about Sean was the way that must sound to to the fans out there that are paying sixty nine ninety nine or whatever it is every single Saturday or every once a month you get what I'm saying it just it feels like such a slap in the face 
I mean, it is, that's it, the state of the game right now, right? Like they're not reliant on these massive pay-per-views and yet they're still getting these massive pay-per-views. Mm-hmm. They could care. They, I feel like we're at a point where they couldn't care less if, if something does well or not. They're going to get that money from ESPN regardless. And, you know, they're just not in the mood to do people favors. <laughs> it's, they're just not in the mood to make the fights <laughs> we want to see. Shaheen Oshadi, I do have to say really quickly, though, fighting. Mentioning, yeah, yeah. You up? mentioned that that interaction between Dana and I believe it was our good friend, Kevin Ioli. Watching Kevin Ioli yeah. try to explain what cap meant to Dana, basically two dudes who do not, does not understand this emoji parlance at all. Watching him painfully try to explain what this meant over 30 seconds was, was quite funny to me. Well, I, I will say this. You're, you're right. Listening to Ioli try to explain what cap is when he didn't fully understand what cap is. Um, <laughs> Enjoyable, enjoyable, but not as enjoyable as a few months back when I only uh, had to explain vaccines to that unnamed media member who we all know that went on that hot mic. You know what I'm talking about? That might have shot. That might have been my MMA moment of 2021. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to throw anybody on the bus, but I know exactly what you're talking about. And I agree with you. I knew, bro, I, I knew who the media member was before I listened to the audio. I just read the headline. It was in the chat group, and someone was like, oh, I, I know who that was. I know who that was. So props to Ioli for fighting the good fight, even if he, uh, well, I don't know, maybe he misses the mark a little bit on cap. But, yes, that interaction was uh, fantastic. And you're right. The It is such, I mean, you're right. Uh, I've been doing this a long time, Shaheen. You've been doing this a long time as well. And in the span of uh, the years that we've been doing this, I I still, I am kind of shocked at how quickly everything has turned into this new era of mixed martial arts. I understand that content is king. I understand that numbers rule all. Volume is everything, quantity over quality. But the way that credo has taken hold in MMA, more specifically the UFC, in just a few short years with the Contender Series and the influx of of young, inexperienced fighters that are finding themselves in pretty big opportunities, it's just, uh, listen, I don't know if it's the right way or the wrong way. I don't know if content king, quantity over quality is the way to go. I I feel like, to me, gut-wise, I don't enjoy it as much. But I, I, the, the, what I can't remove myself from is the swiftness at which it happened and how quickly the sport has changed, Shaheen. You're not wrong, man. You're not wrong. And I mean, you just look at the landscape, right? Like the last two years have been the two successively, the, the most successful years that the UFC has ever had. They've reached this yeah. point where they're bringing in money hand over fist and nothing's nothing in terms of the fighters has really changed. Right. Like we're still looking at $50,000 bonuses <laughs> when that was a thing 10 years ago, like actually 10 years ago, there was some times where it was more than that. Uh, the, the pay scale yeah. is pretty much. Yeah. 75s. Yeah. 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 The pay scale is, is very close yeah. to unchanged. And I mean, it, you, you mentioned the contender series. I mean, there at this point it's a, it's kind of just a treadmill of these, you know, regional level fighters coming in on 10 and 10s, willing to do stuff cheap. And meanwhile, we're seeing other fighters, more established yeah. fighters. Like we just saw it this week of Michelle Perharis or something like this, where it's that middle tier, that middle tier of the UFC, where you could sort of exist for 10, 15 years. If you're, if you're lucky, maybe not 15, but like 10 years, if you're lucky and sort of just exist and make a decent paycheck, those guys are getting slowly weeded out more and more. And, and it's just sort of yeah. the reality that we're facing right now, man. And here's another thing, because you talk about 10 years ago, it's like, oh, you didn't have this. And, you know, the, the bonuses were the same, but the fight, you know, uh, the fighter pay hasn't increased and yada, yada, yada. No, it's actually decreased 
because of I remember before the Reebok deal got signed, talking to the likes of Donald Cerrone. And I did a story for Yahoo where Cerrone's like, uh, I think the quote was, "I'm I'm I'm losing uh, close to seventy five thousand dollars per fight because I can no longer bring my own personal sponsors into the cage with me." Right? Like they're making less now because oh yeah, you can't go outside the cage and get sponsorships as well. So it. It is. I'm. I'm kind of surprised that athletes are still choosing to do this, Shai. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's a, there's. You're never going to be. There's never going to be a dearth of it, right? Like, there's never going to be too, too little fighters willing to jump and say, yeah, "Hey, I'm a UFC fighter right now." That you're always going to have an, an overflow of, of those, of, uh, of those guys coming in. Yeah, you're not wrong. We're here with Shaheen Al-Shadi, deputy editor of MMA Fighting, one of the most tenured veteran pensman wordsmiths in the game in mixed martial arts. You better know. If you don't know, you know now. All right, Shaheen, listen, man, I, I do want to talk a little bit about this uh, upcoming weekend, but I, I'm so terrible at this MMA news cycle stuff. It's like, oh, it's Thursday. You know, UFC 269 was five days removed. You got to flip the page. You got to talk about something fresh. No, I don't. No, I don't. I can do whatever I want. I can do whatever I want because I have the microphone and you don't to quote, to quote the wedding singer, but no, uh, Sean, I mean, listen, man, like what we saw on Saturday, I mean, obviously prospects abound when you look at uh, obviously Sean O'Malley and what that could mean for the future of maybe a couple divisions, right? Uh, then you got Charlie olives taking out Dustin Poirier, but I mean, how do you not talk about, yeah, even four or five days removed the massive upset of Juliana Pena over Amanda. And Nunez, where does it rank for you, Shaheen? I, I'm very curious because everyone's got their opinions. Oh, man, I, I see. I try so hard not to be reactionary with this type of stuff, right? Because it's so easy on fight night to say, hey, this guy's yeah. the greatest ever. This is the best knockout I've ever seen, yes. et cetera, et cetera. It, yeah. I've had a couple days now. Obviously, we're a few days removed now. For me, on the, on the night it happened, I said it had to be the greatest upset I've ever seen. And now a couple of days later, I still maintain that. I feel like it is the single greatest, most shocking upset I have ever seen in my life. And I know people will always point back to GSP versus Sarah, but to me, there's a fundamental yeah. difference in that GSP at that moment in time, you remember it. I remember it. It was shocking. It was, it was, no one expected this, but he wasn't the goat. Like he wasn't George St. No, Pierre in this. He was just yeah. a guy at this point. Like he wasn't even just, well, a guy. he was well, a, he, a well, future also, champion. He was, he, was a, and a, he was also a few fights removed from a loss to Matt Hughes. Which, I mean, but, you know, you just saw him lose. I feel like we all, as a community, looked at him as, hey, this guy's going to be a future Hall of Famer. But he wasn't that guy yeah. yet. Yeah. He was still on the come yeah. up. Whereas how long have we been talking about Amanda Nunes as the greatest <laughs> female fighter that we have ever seen, right? Ever since she knocked out Cyborg, basically the last two, three, four years, we have just been hailing her as the number one all time for, for yeah. the women's ranks. Like Juliana Pena comes in here and she was just supposed to be another also ran another easy night for Amanda. And instead something like this happens where Amanda looked bad. Like she broke Amanda Nunes, Juliana Pena broke Amanda Nunes. Like that is a factual thing that we all just watched. That to me has to be the biggest upset of all time. Because it's just all the circumstances around it. No one could have seen this coming. Did Pena break Nunes or did Nunes break herself? Because I don't know where the truth is in that. I think it's a little what bit of both. I, I mean, yeah. I, it's 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 just natural, right? Like you're that you're Amanda. You're at the top of the game for so long. You're beating everybody easily. No one's coming close to you. Everyone everywhere is telling you how great you are and how you're the best thing they've ever seen. At a certain point, 
I would imagine it's really easy to let that complacency to set in to whereas, Hey, yeah. this fight, I don't need to trade hundred percent. Maybe I need to train 95% and let's see if it works and it works. And then, Hey, next time it's 90%, then it's 85%. I'm sure there can be a slow deterioration of that. Also, she just had a, you know, a child with Nina or her wife. It's just, there's, she has a lot going on, man. She, you, this is why in MMA, it's so hard to get these long lasting champions because the, the margin of error in there is so, so minute, right? And we saw that where if, you, if Juliana Pena can come in and just dominate Amanda Nunes like that, it's, it's, it can happen to anybody. And so absolutely, I think it, it could, you could blame a little bit on Amanda. You could blame a little bit on, on Juliana. Regardless, it happened. And uh, my, I mean, if, if there were any mental cracks or any doubts uh, going in there for the Lioness, you know, having Juliana eat a few of those shots and they'll still be standing there in the pocket, um, you know, that's got to do something to your mentals in terms of in the fight as well. Just a, a fantastic performance all the way around. And obviously uh, also on Saturday, Charles Oliveira, uh, you know, I mean, what more can you say about him? I, I'll just ask you this. I, I asked Dean Thomas this yesterday when we hopped on the show, um, and I, I think he had a different perspective because he's obviously knows Dustin very well, friends with Dustin, you know, eating at his house and been with his family. It's a completely different relationship. But I, it's one of those fights that on Saturday, someone's feel-good story had to come to an end, but it was rough watching Poirier lose that fight because he is such a likable guy, and I probably would have felt the same way about Oliveira. So as we sit here on a Thursday, what do you find yourself? feeling more you find yourself feeling more like joy and, and happiness for a guy like Charles Oliveira or do you just feel like that kind of despair for a guy like the diamond who who I mean Sean might have had his last chance at UFC gold might have might have obviously th- th- it's so hard to say that now right where it's just like you have Glover Teixeira as champion you have Brandon Moreno as champion yes, Juliana Pena yeah. as champion like you can't write anybody <laughs> off cr- in yeah. this game right yeah. now it's a very weird space that we're in currently with this champion picture uh, but I do have to say that I, I think I side more towards just feeling bad about how that played out for Dustin, because this is a guy yeah. we've we've lived and died with for so long. Right. Like he has just been in our lives for so long. And obviously you don't want to big fights, you know, big fights. But also you don't want to associate the personal level on some uh, to some degree. Right. Like we're no. supposed to be unbiased, right, but right, there right. are just good guys right. in this game. And Dustin Poirier is one of the yep. best people in the entire sport. He does so much with his charity, him and his wife, Jolie. And he's always, you know, looking out for for someone else over himself. And it felt like this was sort of his moment. The moment Habib retired, Dustin Poirier, number one lightweight in the world. It's finally happening. He's finally going to get this while he's still able to get this before it's too late. And, and then it he goes into that fight, has a great first round, and everybody's feeling it. He even admitted on a, the MMA hour yesterday here on MMA Fighting, you know, I, I felt like between that first and second round, I'm about to become a champion. And then to just have it snatched from him, man. I mean, I was there in Abu Dhabi when he lost to Habib, the, the tears he cried in that press conference afterwards. Yeah. I was there in Vegas this past weekend. And he, you know, he said it himself, I'm sick of crying up here in these press conferences in front of you media guys. And you, you feel that, man. You feel bad for, for someone who you could tell how much that moment mattered to him and just that title of being able to become an undisputed champion forever, right? In 25 minutes to eternity. Right. And I don't know if he'll get right. there again. And here's the, I think the most frustrating part is we all know how good he is. It's like he thinks, like, there's those fighters, like, I'm a champion. And, like, I, and this is going to sound crazy. And this is going to sound crazy. I view Dustin Poirier more of a champion than Amanda Nunes, or excuse me, than Juliana Pena. And I know that makes zero sense because Pena just won the belt. Like, 
you get what I'm saying, but like in terms of championship pedigree, in terms of the level of fighter that they are, Dustin Poirier is at a percentile that I, I truly believe not a lot of fighters reach. Like in terms of all around mixed martial arts, I think Dustin Poirier is one of the best of the last 10 years and he can't get over that hump. It's like, yeah, he's a nice guy in charity and all that's great. I'm like, this guy's got a platinum toolbox of tools and he just can't get over the hump. I'm frustrated for the diamond. I mean, he's one of the greatest lightweights of all time. Like, if you put together a list, he's top five, absolutely. Like, and it's just some people have they, they can snatch their moment, or maybe they're in there at the right yep. time where you know yep. other moments in history they wouldn't have been champion, but they managed to sneak into that window. For Dustin, it's the complete opposite, where there's just he he, he was yes. never able to find the right window to really a- a- ascend to this place, and, and you just feel for him. You really do. I'm so glad you brought that up because it is so much about time and you talk about a window and this is not derogatory. She is my friend. She is one of my favorite fighters on a personal level. Misha Tate, right? Misha Tate, Holly Holm. If that doesn't happen the way it happens, it is very possible Misha never holds UFC gold. And that's not a knock on her. It is just a testament to the timing and the brutality and the honesty of the cage, the ring, and what it can do or not do to you and your fortunes. Great stuff there from Shaheen Al-Shadi. Sean, I will get you out of here on this. Obviously, so much of the conversation is on 269 and and Saturday and history and rankings and yada, yada, yada. But uh, history is kind of in a weird way on the line on Saturday showtime pay-per-view Jake Paul Tyron Woodley too I say history is on the line from the standpoint of I if this doesn't go the way I don't know I I don't know the way it's supposed to go I'm just I I feel like we're at a tipping point of the MMA boxing thriller I don't want to say freak show or circus. I mean, because there is some legitimacy to this. I, I, I'm, Shaheen, I guess what I'm saying is I wonder what the longevity is of this sort of thing going forward. I'm not saying it's a death rattle. I don't know what it is. But I think you can't deny there's less interest for this rematch as we head into this weekend than the first time. That's fair. And but although I don't know if the two ideas correlate, right? Because I think no one was into this okay. rematch from the get-go. The moment that first fight ended, Tyron's calling for the rematch. The resounding response from that was no one really needs to see that. Like right. we're we're good, man. Like right. I get it, but we're good. So I think that's more of just kind of what this is, right? Like this, no one really wanted to see this. It's happening. It's a weird circumstance. Maybe that adds a little more intrigue. But for the most part, I've seen this fight before. That being said, I do think I don't know that we're at a tipping point with the whole circus boxing thing, because it does feel like this next generation, this generation that's younger than you and I are really into Mm -hmm. this. And the Paul brothers have figured it out. A lot of other influencers have figured it out. And it's just, people are making money hand over fist. And even if, you know, Jake Paul was to lose, then they're rolling right into a trilogy. Like I, I feel like this thing definitely has a lot more legs than just being reliant on what happens uh, over the weekend. Well, we would agree that it's, it's right now. We, relying on the Paul brothers, right? So he needs to win. Do you think he needs does to he? win for the popularity does he? to say? I don't know. Because I that, that was that's actually, like as I say it, I'm like, does he? Because a trilogy would arguably make it more interesting. But then there's the one on Paul's record, and I wonder how much of the interest of Paul is the fact that he's undefeated. Ah, shit, man, I don't know. I'm old. I mean, Are how many old? times has Nate? Well, yes, we're, abs- we're absolutely old. But how many times has Nate Diaz lost? How many times has Conor McGregor lost? Like, if you just are compelling enough yeah. personality for certain yeah. people... They'll ride with you regardless, and I feel like he's kind of that guy for something. 
Unlocking the Cage with Jimmy Smith is part of the SiriusXM Podcast Network. The executive producer is Michael Russo. The associate producer is Kelly Murphy. Sound design by Nuri Balin. Special thanks to SiriusXM's Senior Vice President of Sports Programming and Podcasting, Steve Cohen. And SiriusXM Fight Nation Program Director, Marissa Rivas. Serious XM Podcasts.